0: What life lesson did you learn from writing sentences?
1: I still remember my Mm. mom making me write like 250 times, I will not antagonize my brothers. And then at the end of it, she was like, what did you learn? And I was like, I don't know what antagonize means. This is the absurd journey
2: of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast.
1: All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up podcast in the studio today. We got uh, me, Rachel, and Corey, um, but James James is uh, calling in by phone today. What's up, James? What's
2: up? What's up? What's up?
1: James, are you in Akron?
2: I am in Akron, soon to be in my motherland, Barbara.
1: There we go, <laughs> Barbuda and Barbuda and purple and stuff. Is that what? Is that what the students used to say?
0: Yeah, that was that was Ridley Indeed. that was Ridley's filmed impression of <laughs> of James. Like do an impression of James and he's like I mean Barberton Barberton purple and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's that was pretty accurate.
2: You know, fried fried runs deep.
0: Man, get some chicken for me while while you're out there, Barberton chicken. Oh, it's so good. Going like that. The hot
2: rice. Indeed.
1: All right, so our question to kick things off today. We're going to be talking a little bit about process and perspectives and uh what I want to know is what is something that when you were growing up, um your parent, grandparent, teacher, whatever like disciplinary you had in your life. What is something that they did when you were growing up that you hated, but now as an adult you're like I understand. I appreciate that that happened um, <clears throat> well,
0: I was actually just thinking about this the other day um, because with our own kids, they have uh we have a pretty strict bedtime regimen with our children, <clears throat> and I would say that between between my grandma's house and my parents' house. I was always held growing up to a very strict bedtime uh, regimen. Like I I had a strict bedtime and I don't feel comfortable sharing at what age uh, (laughs) and at what time that, you know, extended to. But just know that it was strict. Right. And I always felt like it was strict because all my friends were like, oh, I was up till 11 p.m. last night. And I'm like, man, like, I don't even get that. Right. And I would pull the move of like keeping the TV on. And then when I heard them come in, I'd like turn the TV off and act like I was sleeping real quick. Like I pulled I pulled all those tricks and I used to get really, really upset. Uh that I felt like I was being held you know captive and I was like just let me stay up to whenever I want right And here's the reality. Um is that and I never put this together until way after the fact but like later on in high school When I was able to stay up later Um, I developed a tendency that I think was brought on by the combination of staying up too late And driving myself to school Where I just stopped going to school for first and second period Uh, because I like, couldn't get up in the morning and I like to the point that I'd rack up all these tardies and like have to serve detention because of how often I didn't make it to school by first period. And that is directly correlated to the fact that I wasn't going to bed at a reasonable hour, but I didn't realize till way later. Actually, I think we, I legitimately might've been married when you pointed out, you're like, you realize when you don't get X amount of sleep, like you're a big jerk. (laughs) <laughs> like you know that right and like and and i think i was trying to work on something you're like you might as well finish it now because you're not the type of person that can get up early and do it you need to go ahead and stay up she's like because when you get up on little sleep like you're awful and i was like dang that's a really good point point. and then i realized like dang mom and dad and grandma were right like i do need to get to bed by a reasonable <laughs> hour gosh. like even now as an adult, I'm like, I do need to get to bed as a, at a reasonable hour. And like, you know what? My kids will probably have a strict bedtime now because those are my kids and they're like me. And one of them in particular, like if she doesn't get her sleep, Oh my goodness. Like, so that's, that's definitely something that I always hated growing up, but I'll probably carry on because man, I know me,
1: I know my tendencies. James, what do you think?
2: Oh uh, man! I think for me, man, I can't even believe I'm gonna say this. I, growing up, I went to church like five days, five to six days a week. As a kid, Dang. it was like it was like uh, missionary service on Monday, <laughs> YPWW youth on Tuesday, Bible study on Wednesday. On Thursday, did y'all
0: have awanas?
2: We didn't have a Juana. That was YPWW, like the youth thing.
0: Okay, okay.
2: And then we had carrying service on Friday from time to time. We used to go carry for the Holy Ghost. You just <laughs> say, Jesus Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, 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 real fast. Please speak in tongues. Good old apostolic Church. And then church on Sunday all day. Like, I couldn't even watch the Browns, like, all day. So when I got to middle school, I played three sports because I didn't want to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> like... That was, like, my pure motivation. I only really wanted to play basketball, but I ended up, like, being decent at football. It was just, I didn't, like, I didn't want to go to church. So like week, And I figured if I played sports, I would just go to practice or somebody else could drop me off at home until church was over. But the reality is, like, my care for the local church now, I used to try to point it back to a whole lot of things, but, man went to pick up my daughter from my mom and my grandma. But I just seen them, like, they were at the church changing the bulletin board. And, like, in that moment, I just seen myself. And I'm like, wait a second. That's why I, like, come early and vacuum and do other things to serve the church. So i probably say, like, as much as, yeah, it's crazy for me to say that now. Yeah. Being in all those wild services, being a kid in the back who wasn't concerned with tearing for the Holy Ghost.
1: Man, that's real. I'm trying to think. I don't even, I mean, I don't even know if there was things six days a week to go do at at the church I grew up in. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. But, I mean, that kind of leads into the rule at our house was um, from the time that you were capable. You were either doing chores or you had a job or you were in a sport. You were not just sitting around the house doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, if my dad caught you doing nothing, he was like, Come out in the garage and do this. Or, or he'd be like, Hey, the flower beds need, like, he would come up with something. <laughs> sitting around and doing nothing was never an option. Unless it was like Friday night and TGIF was on or something you know, or like Saturday morning and, and you were watching one Saturday morning, right, like you would let us chill and do that kind of stuff, but like <clears throat> during the week, on the weekends, like during the summer, during the summer, you were not just sleeping all day during the summer, oh, absolutely not. I mean there was no there was no sitting around and doing nothing in my house, like especially like when we turned sixteen. The expectation was you either were so involved in some sort of sport or extracurricular or something, um, that you couldn't have a job or you immediately had a job. There was no, there was no sitting around. There was no, none of that. Like all three of us, me and both my brothers and a whole bunch of my cousins, we all worked in my dad's uh, factory after college. Like, all of us like i mean I, I injured myself on basically every machine in the factory at central Coded products i did it through a party when i graduated Man. college and shout never out, came back shout out to uncle kenny <laughs> who had to deal with that crap but listen but listen i was there from 5 a.m to 4 p.m stuffing boxes of subway deli paper because there was no sitting around in my house and and what lesson did that teach you honestly it it taught me it taught me time management. It taught me not to be lazy. Mm. Um, it taught me the value of work. Man. Um, I mean, even if like granted you know, we're in we're in ministry jobs, right? So like we're not making bank, we're not making six <laughs> figures and, and yeah. despite what my friends <laughs> think. <laughs> right. 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 Like we we never mind. Um we're we're not we're not pulling in back. where well, this podcast is free. We actually pay to rent the equipment. Yeah. Um, Uh, technically we probably lose money on this. Uh, But like I I learned the value of hard work and I learned what it can get you. I learned that your character goes before you. Like your next job is opened up by the character you show where you're at right now With, with your coaches or with your employers or whatever it is. Your character and your reputation goes before you. So you need to do well where you're at now because be careful who you put down as those references, right? So, I mean, I'm I'm thankful for it. I never had definitely never learned laziness in my house. Yeah.
0: It's a process. <clears throat> it's a process. The pro- and and I used to hate it when when you know, people would say like, "Oh, you'll understand when you're older." But now that I'm older and I see the perspective <laughs> of what a process does mm-hmm. to your character. It, it, it really, it really is. It really is valuable. I I highly doubt it. But mom, dad, and grandma, if you're listening to this shout out, shout out for the eight o'clock bedtimes (laughs) when I was way too old to be going to bed that
1: early, like shout out to you for that. But like the process is so crucial no matter what it is, whether it's your faith, whether it's your uh, personal development. Maybe you're trying to get good at a sport or whatever. Maybe you want to run a 5K and you can't just 99% of people, unless you've been in running or some sort of athletics in your life, you cannot just get up off the couch and run a 5k right you got to build that endurance you got to build up to it your body has to get used to it you have to prepare yourself you cannot usurp the process of whatever it is that you are trying to do so I mean, let's let's take that into you know your church life, your spiritual life. Like, uh, maybe you're in a deconstructing phase, or maybe you're maybe you deconstructed, and now you're trying to figure out, do I want do I even want to reconstruct? Like, whatever it is, you have to yield to the process.
2: Yeah, I feel like yeah. There's a basketball team in, in Philly, the 76ers. and their whole motto for like a decade plus was like process yep and they weren't gonna like hashtag trust the process hashtag trust the process right and and, like laugh at him because i'm a lebron james fan so wherever lebron is he's the process so mm -hmm. you go get players to play around lebron i mean except for right now that's just something else but even next year they're gonna go get more players to play around lebron he's the process but in my life like that's just not been true like the process or the journey when out, when I'm on the other side of it, I look at it in hindsight, like it's God's kindness in my life. Mm-hmm. Like the journey and the process. I can think about like going through legit tough stuff. Like I can think back and vividly remember like, yeah, I remember sitting in you guys' front room on Milford sure. when like, found out that my aunt was, like, gonna die, mm-hmm. like, before I went to Philly. I can, like, vividly remember it. I remember going out to the cancer center in Philly and, like, watching her over the course of two weeks go from, like, bad to worse, and from worse to death. Like, sitting in the room, like, with my whole family and watching her die. I remember I figured, like, I'll be okay. Like, I know she's in heaven, like, we're all Christians here Like I know I'll see her again After the funeral Like Graduation was the next week mm-hmm. Graduated And man I just went to see, like Emotional changes For the next two years Because I decided That I was just Going to be okay And not actually Go through the process Of grieving mm-hmm. And the reality was Until I actually like Opened myself up To the process Of grieving And opened myself up To the process Of mourning And actually like Acknowledging the fact that I was upset and like acknowledging the fact that I didn't understand why God did that, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, I just had a bunch of feelings towards everything, including God. It wasn't until I embraced the process that I was actually able to move through it. And I feel like so often, like, because we're Americans and because we bootstrap and because we're exceptional and because (laughs) manifest destiny, we only see the ends. And we see like, hey, I want to be great. I see the ads, but we completely ignore the fact that like, no one's anything overnight. <laughs> Everything takes a process. Yep. Everything takes a process.
0: It's funny. It's funny that you bring up that you bring up the Sixers as a as a Laker fan and as a as a Kobe fan. Uh, you know, I, I never really cared too much for the Sixers. The Sixers always booed my guy when he would come home to Philly. Um the Sixers had Allen Iverson who you and I have argued about for years. Um
2: India history. Um, I'm talking about I,
0: practice. I know I know that you believe that, bro. I know that you believe that. And I'm 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 happy that my brother stands ten tones ten toes on something. I just wish it was a little more firm <clears> of <throat> something to stand on. But <laughs> um but i but i find myself admittedly and partially because the lakers are so bad this year uh i find myself rooting for the sixers now um i mean dude i'm still a lakers fan till i die don't ever don't ever get that twisted but like i find myself in like deep like with this sixers squad <laughs> deep like um because because it was trust the process for so long and you know what's so realistic about about where they're at now and how like at least at the time of the release of this episode they're killing it right now. Like they they look like they could very very likely win the Eastern Conference. What's what's so crazy about that is that it was so bad for so long before they got to this point. And I just find myself rooting for them because that's real life. Like that's real. Stuff gets so bad for so long and before we're able to get to a point where we're killing it and we look back like, oh, yeah, like to get to this point, we had to go through a period where we suck for a while because the world is hard and, the, and it's out here, you know, um, and I think of, you know, it, it, it brings to mind the, the people who who want to question and ask, like, why God causes, you know, like you mentioned, like your aunt passing. And like the really, really hard stuff that we walk through in life. Like, why does God let that happen? Or why does God cause that? And I think that that is, is maybe like it comes from the timeliness of what we're going through, right? It comes from the fact that we're in it in the moment when the Sixers are 19 and, and uh, quick math, 63. Um, it, it's like, why why is this so bad? Like, why is it like this, right? But what we what we lose sight of a lot of times is first and foremost like our basic theology will tell us that like god doesn't cause these bad things to happen to us the reality the reality is like bad things happen to us because we live in a fallen world nothing is perfect there's something about everyone that is broken and hurt people hurt people and You know, there is death on this side of eternity. All of those things are why bad things happen. But the beauty about the good news of Jesus and what our good theology about God tells us is that God, for those who find faith or keep faith in those moments, God works those things out for the good of those who believe. Um, I think specifically of of James chapter one that talks about um, that talks about these these trials right in verse two he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds verse three for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfa- steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing the word that James uses for uh, for testing is a word that was used when people would melt down. Uh, metal, right? They would put these things. They would put metal in extreme heat uh, to to melt and 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 get rid of the impurities that were in the metal. And the person, the refiner, who was holding the metal in the fire, would keep it there. And they knew that the metal was done when they could see their own reflection. In the metal that they were refining to make that applicable to this situation. Sometimes God is able to use the fire that we're walking through because we because we're living in hell. Right. Like he's able to use the fire that we're walking through to melt off the impurities The uh, the the things that aren't true to the character that he has given us until he's able to see his reflection. And that is where relief and triumph comes, right? When we start to look in our character, even in the midst of the fire, the most like the Father, the most like he showed us in the person of Jesus, that is where we're able to see triumph and relief from the fire because then our perspective is eternal and of the character that God has developed in us and not on the fire or the pain and the flame itself. It is a process and it is painful, but the good news of Jesus guarantees a victory and a perspective of relief and, et- and for eternity for those who choose to have faith in those moments.
2: Absolutely, man. And just here, yeah, just two notes. Like that James verse, like really points me in Romans chapter 5. Yep. Where Paul says, like, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Yep. So Paul's idea, like, in our sufferings most times, sometimes illegitimate sufferings, But most times, they're discomfort. When Paul says suffering, he means like, yo, like, I'm getting 39 lashes. 40 lashes are going to kill me for the gospel. I've been shipwrecked. I'm in jail. Like, this is suffering for the sake of Jesus. And he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. and character produces hope. And hope is not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So it's this idea that God is using suffering, God is using the process, God is using the things that may not feel good to us to be good for us. In reality, like in my life, I can look back and looking back, looking backwards helps me have perspective in the yep. present, which I feel like causes faithfulness in the future. Yep. Because when I look backwards, I realize that every time I've been in a fiery furnace, there's been a fourth person. Yeah, my I'm Jesus somebody. Is every single Every single time I've been in a fiery furnace. So now looking backwards, that gives me perspective in my present to say, because he was with me in the past, he is unchanging. He's immutable. I know he will be with me in the present. I know he will be with me in the future. So I know that the suffering in this present age is, yeah, is nothing but a glimpse of the glory that's coming with God. These verses like it's the idea that like suffering is the scent of the same. Like if you really down with Jesus, like you probably you probably smell like suffering a little bit. Like people could probably look at you and see that you're a little a little tattered. A little busted up. Yeah. Like the sneakers I used to wear in middle school. I used to jack up for. <laughs> Sorry, Delhi, I jacked my Air Force One.
1: <laughs> you know, when we look at when we look at the um, processes that we experience, we have to make the mental shift. And we have to stop viewing the process as something that God is doing to us instead of something that God is doing all the way through us. Like, it's not something that is happening to you. Mm -hmm. It is something that God is doing all the way in you to the depth of your soul. Mm -hmm. Like, all throughout Scripture, um, specifically in the Psalms, like Psalm 103, right at the very beginning of it, when David is saying that he's going to praise God, he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord with all that I am, I praise his holy name. And when he says, with all that I am, in that original language, what he's talking about, we don't have the right poetic language to use in English, right? Like, he's talking about praising God from the depth of his, like, guts from like all of his insides and who he is. He's praising God from that place. And the only way you can experience praising God with all that you are is if you have endured a process that can wholeheartedly believe that God is holy and that he is good, no matter what you might be feeling, because God is bigger than our feelings, right? And so when we look at like this process We've got to look at a couple things, like Corey mentioned earlier, like all of the the spiritual side of things and and why we endure a process. But we've also got to be willing to look at ourselves and say maybe this process that I'm going through Man. is the consequences of my own actions. Maybe I did this to me. Like, Ooh. yeah, like maybe I put me here. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe God didn't do this to me. Maybe I did this to myself like i think about i think about those those reels that are so big right now where it says like can we skip to the good part and then they like tap the camera and when they pull their hand away like the whole room is cleaned or the whole like like they got all these art supplies out and then they tap the screen and when they move their hand it's a masterpiece picture
0: our our instagram reels feeds are so different
1: Okay, well, that is one that I get a lot. It's like these videos where they show like this mess or this thing and it's like all of these art supplies or all of these like cooking things and it says when we skip to the good part and they tap the screen and when they move their hand away, like the masterpiece has been created. They completely eliminate the process to yeah. make it look like an instant gratification yeah. that happens. It's the nature of social media, right? Yeah. So like what happens when you have a desire, like a God-given desire in your heart to Start an organization, to lead something, to be like, to be a preacher, to be, to be a musician, to be whatever it is. You have this God given desire inside of you to do something, but then you try and entirely skip the process right what happens if say you want to be a preacher and you jump up on stage but you never studied theology all you know is like the instagram like inspiration worthy like clips or like the the verse that your grandma had hanging in her kitchen in this house we praise the lord right like that's all you got cuz you never studied your uh, bible it was the lord is my shepherd i shall not want <laughs> you can't, but you can't you can't you don't have enough you can't stand up and preach the word of god without having first studied and knowing the Word of God. You can't start or lead an organization if you've never gone through leadership yourself. You can't start a non-profit if you've never studied business. Like you can't do these things if you have completely avoided the process. But we try to do that, and then we get mad when we fail, and we're like, "God, why did you let me fail?" And it's like, "No, that was a result of you. Mm-hmm. You bypassed the process."
2: Yeah. Right. Two, right. Two things, Corey. First thing. That just made me think of 1 Corinthians 13 from the (laughs) early March of the (laughs) day. But like on on a more serious note, the reality is like you need character and skill.
1: Yeah,
0: that's right.
2: And most times, like what I've seen, what I've seen in my own life is like where one of those things lacks, everything falls apart. Yeah. And the reality is like yeah, some people are naturally born with skill, but yeah, skill only goes so far. Character carries us past the finish line. Yeah. And the reality is, character is only developed over time. Yes. It's it's only developed over time, and it's a process. It's a process that we all have to endure, and now it's like funny. So like one of my former students, she's at Moody now. And she uh, she called me and she said, Hey, we have to do this project and we have to talk to people who have been in ministry for more than ten years. So I wanted to talk to you. And at first I was like, I haven't been in ministry for more than ten years.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bro. Like, Isn't that crazy?
2: Then I was like then I was like, Oh dang. It's kind of been a decade.
0: <laughs> Man.
2: And the reality is, like, as I look back over that decade, like there's a roll of deck. Of like homies or running mates That I have in my head yes, sir. And the sad part is like I look back And I'm like dang How many of them And we're only 10 years in bro Like how many of them are like Completely out of the game Yep, yep. So many more than I would even like to mention Like the reality is It's because like The process got tough And the character yeah our skill wrote checks that our character couldn't cash. Ooh. Like, there's, just so, there's so many that I'm looking like, man, like, dang, this is rough. And the reality is, like, yeah, our skill can only write checks. Like, it's, it's our character that cashes those. Yeah. Those.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I think if I could if I could make clear any, like any thought to anybody who is like feeling the pain of the process, I would say it's, it's, it's that God is not, God is not doing this to you. Like you said, Rach, like God is, God is not throwing you in the fire and God is not dangling a carrot on the other side. Right. But there are countless scriptures. I think the the epitome of which I'd like to point to, to John 11, I believe that's the, uh, the raising of Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like as like John 11 is the evidence that God also feels the pain of yeah. the fire, that God also feels the pain that we're experiencing in the process and that God also wishes for it to not take all this but he was willing in his one and only son he was willing to go through the most extensive process for our sakes and also lastly pointing to the story that we find in daniel of the three individuals that refused to, to conform to, to, to the cultural narrative and the cultural waves, ways to, to favor their God, and uh, God did not throw them in the furnace right? God did not throw them in the fire. Culture threw them in the fire. The world threw them in the fire. A king threw them in the fire, right? Our political leaders that we follow throw us in the fire, right? Cancel culture on Twitter throws us in the fire, right? Like, those are the things that throw us in the fire. But who was right there in the fire with them? God is not a God that is far away, that is like, "Eh, well, we'll see who makes it in the end, and we'll take them, right? God is a God who is right there in the process with you and if we can hang our hat on anything it's one of my favorite favorite passages right after it says that they made it through the fire there was a fourth person in the fire with them with the three of them and that they came out of the furnace not even smelling like smoke right The reality is like when we get to that victory, we will have the experience of having gone through the process, but what will be presented is glorifying to God and not reflective of the scars that we gained while we were in the fire.
1: Yeah, and I think it's so important to note that like you just gave examples from both the New Testament and the Old. Yeah, it's consistent all throughout. I could have gone on forever just on that tip. Right, like God has always been willing to be in the process. God has always... Been willing. Like we can go all the way back to Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, the very first piece of the creation of the Israelite nation. And we can see that from day one, God had a plan for redemption. He had a process from the beginning. And then when He gave the laws to Moses, the laws, as boring as they might be to read, they're so strategic. And there was pieces and parts in the law, always from day one, to take care of everyone there was laws for the widows and the orphans and for the and for the poor like all of that was written into the law and then jesus when he came was the law in human form it was the law it was the law fulfilled and he was showing us how to act and how to be and how to represent god here on earth well like god has always been willing to be part of the process from the very very beginning he was never throwing it at you as something to be done to you yep that's good
2: yeah so as we close out in the words of the philadelphia 76ers and their faithful fans trust the process trust
0: the process
2: because because we see throughout scripture the process of suffering or whatever process you're in scripture promises us that it produces character character produces hope and the scripture promises that, that hope does not disappoint. Because hope is Jesus. So keep the hope, keep the faith, and trust the process. What's up?
1: What's up?